Here's a quote from an article in the Globe and Mail the other day written by our next guest. We know that a foreign regime is running a disinformation campaign to try to sabotage Canadian elections. And we know from a CSIS report that donors who contribute to Canadian political candidates favored by Beijing have been quietly and illegally reimbursed for the portion not covered by a federal tax credit. These sorts of activities, coordinated by a hostile power, absolutely should not be tolerated. The RCMP should long ago been dispatched into action, but we have seen nothing. The article was entitled, What is this government doing to protect Canada's sovereignty against China? The author of the piece, a good friend of this program, always a pleasure to say good morning and welcome back to Charles Burton, a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute, a former diplomat at our embassy in Beijing, and author of said piece in the Globe and Mail, Charles, good morning, sir. Welcome back. Good morning, Sterling. Good to have you with us. Uh, We have talked about this, uh, you and I, on this program a number of times as it has been going on. uh, And we go back on this one a couple of years, too, Charles. So uh, you, in in your recent piece, the Globe and Mail has been doing some outstanding work on the China file lately, uh, particularly having access to some information provided to them by CSIS. And I'll get into how they managed to get that information in a little bit. But I suppose what's most baffling to most Canadian, Charles, is that as more and more layers of the onion get peeled back, the government seems to want to retreat rather than attack. What's going on? Yeah, this is a, a big concern. I mean, you would have thought a scheme to for a foreign government to make contributions to political campaigns that they favor. I mean, uh, you know, they, mostly liberal candidates, but there are a couple of conservatives in the list that you would have thought that this kind of scheme where, uh, you know, people of Chinese origin in Canada, Canadian citizens, donate to a political party, fine. But then uh, they take their tax receipt uh, to, you know, some Chinese uh, agency. I don't know if it's run out of one of those police stations mm. or Confucius Institute or, uh, or a, you know, a China-backed um, Chinese association. And the Chinese government reimburses them for for the amount that they didn't get off their tax. I mean, that's, you know, definitely fraud. And you would have thought that everybody involved should be investigated by the RCMP and given a due process of law in a court and, you know, dealt with in accordance with law. It doesn't seem to be um, very politically controversial or anything that, that that would be something the RCMP would do in the case of electoral financing fraud. But uh, we haven't seen that at all, even though CSIS has evidently highlighted this to our government, which I think, you know, sort of gives some credibility to the stuff we've been talking about, as you say, for the past couple of years, because it's coming out of our security intelligence service, which suggests that, you know, we're not just speculating here. This is really going on. And this is information that they would have passed on to federal officials as it became available to them. Again, the federal officials, once they have received said information, did nothing about it. But let's just talk for a second, if you don't mind, about how CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, uh, saw fit or people within the organization saw fit to share some of this information with the media uh, because it was, was it simply frustration? You you talk about a split inside Ottawa between a concerned security agency and a political center that may be too fearful of economic retaliation by China to do anything about it. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I could certainly, if I was a thesis officer who had spent, you know, many years working on the China file, had sent extensive um, reports to the government about, you know, even candidates who appear to be in the pocket of a foreign power and saw absolutely nothing done about it, that I guess, you know, one would make a calculation that that uh, they should provide this information to, to make it publicly known through the Security of Information Act. I mean, there are provisions in that act if, um, you know, if the public good is, is exceeded that will save them from from possible incarceration if they're found out to be the source of, of this information. But, you know, it's a very risky thing to do. And, and I believe that the, the penalty for, for um, you know, violating your commitment to secrecy is 14 years in prison. So, you know, these people are pretty courageous uh, if this is what's been going on. Of course, the CSIS reports have also been shared to other intelligence agencies in the Five Eyes and beyond. Right. So it's possible that that the information did not originate from a Canadian source. But, you know, it seems most likely that that uh, that the Global Mail reporters, uh, Bob Fife and Steve Chase, did get it from from CSIS officers who are just at wit's end over this situation. Well, and we're going to talk to Michael Cooper, who's a conservative MP from Alberta in our next hour. And Michael wrote a piece in the National Post, perhaps you saw it the other day, basically talking about the foreign inter- election interference. And there's no clear line of defense. There are a few uh, senior former bureaucrats, uh, the former ch- chief uh, of the uh, Privy Council, clerk of the Privy Council is one of them. There are some senior bureaucrats in charge of uh, filtering the information receiving the information and disseminating it, uh, but there doesn't seem to be anybody actually doing anything, let alone being actually in charge. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, and, and we don't have evidence that this committee of, you know, senior civil servants and others actually had access to the classified CSIS reports that, you know, may have gone through to the prime minister's office. We don't know if the prime minister saw them or was apprised of them. And if he wasn't, that would be another, you know, another thing that should be looked into. Sure. And I, and I think that, you know, the, the parliamentarians want more access to information, but they are being uh, blocked by, by the uh, Liberal members and, and the NDP members uh, with regard to, to demanding that, 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 the, that the information that the Globe and Mail has seen should be made available to parliamentarians. I think, you know, this is in general a serious problem that our intelligence agency doesn't seem to be as forthcoming about what they know as the counterpart agencies in places like Britain, Australia, and the U.S. And when they are called to give evidence in Parliament, you you know, again, in other words, the head of CSIS and the head of CSE and other senior people in, in RCMP and other agencies have appeared before the Common Special Committee on Canada China Relations and before Mr. Coop, the the, the committee that Mr. Cooper has been so ably participating in the the procedure and House Affairs Committee, but you know every time you ask them for a specific, they say, "Oh, uh, sorry, we can't tell you because you know that would reveal our operational methods." I'm really wondering how much operations they've been doing um, and what they're holding back from us. But uh, you know, up to now, bringing them into Parliament doesn't seem to be giving us much answers.
Charles, you mentioned our Five Eyes global partners, and we were, in fact, excluded from the AUKUS agreement with the UK and Australia uh, recently because uh, I, I think we're just not to, we're not trustworthy enough to be included in some of those uh, agreements and arrangements. But is it possible that our Five Eyes partners, particularly the Aussies and the Yanks, are uh, perhaps leaning on Ottawa through back channels, etc., to get something done? It's gone well beyond our borders. And it's become painfully obvious to some of our allies that our house is not in order. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that that's true. And when when Secretary of State Blinken was in Ottawa back in October, you know, we announced that we'd be having a a strategic dialogue with the uh, U.S. on Indo-Pacific strategy, which suggests that the U.S. feels that there's some stuff they want to talk about with us on this. And I think that there is increasing pressure from the U.S. and our other allies to actually say what we will be doing differently with regard to this Indo-Pacific um, strategy statement, which you know is largely aspirational and virtue signaling, but rather short on exactly what the government will be doing that will allow us to meet the challenge of China. I know that Congress has some hearings coming up uh, next month with regard to Indo-Pacific strategy and and where the allies stand on it. And I don't think that Canada will will come out of it well. I mean, you know, we had Minister Champagne talking about um, decoupling when he was in Washington, and then Minister Freeland talking about friendshoring when she was in Washington. Yeah. But then when they get back to Canada, they talk about the importance of continuing engagement with China. So, you know, we don't really know where our government stands and they seem to be making it ambiguous and i think our allies are getting increasingly fed up with us not putting it on the line and telling them straight exactly what we plan to do to collaborate with them in terms of of the international consensus that that china's international behavior is just unacceptable and we have to take measures to try and bring them into compliance with the international rules-based order. Absolutely. The last line of your piece, the most recent piece in the Globe and Mail, Charles, quote, if this interference goes unchecked and there are no criminal or diplomatic consequences, it will obviously embolden China to do much more of it. And that's the, that's the bottom line, isn't it? If, there, if there's no, no checks, then off you go. It, 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 it's almost encouraging. So I think, I mean, you know, China has a very large um, diplomatic cohort in Canada. You know, they have 146 people here. Japan has 46, India 35, yeah. UK 23. You know, obviously, they don't need that many diplomats. And I think it's reasonable to assume that, you know, a, a proportion of them, a significant proportion of them are engaged in the kind of activities that we're seeing reported by Sam Cooper of Global News and in the Globe and Mail. And so I think it's time for who presumably knows who they are to recommend to the government that that those people should be sent back to Beijing and the agents that they're running in in Canada should be brought before a court of law to be made accountable for these allegations. And, you know, that that's the only way that we can indicate to the Chinese regime that we are serious about this and that we're not going to simply allow them to carry on like this out of fear of economic retaliation or you know, negative consequences for people in policy circles who may be beneficiaries of, of of something from the Chinese state that, you know, that we need to get to the bottom of by by getting a Foreign Influence Transparency Scheme Act that demands that people who have influence in the China policy process should 
be required to declare if they're recipients of, of money or other benefits from a foreign power. But so far, there's a lot of resistance to that in Ottawa, and I don't really see why anyone would would object to, to, to revealing if they've got money from foreign power. I mean, I just think that just makes good sense. Mr. Burton, thanks to people like you, sir, more and more of us across the country are becoming more and more painfully aware of what is going on right under our noses uh, and what has been going on and continues to go on as, as a foreign power, as you so eloquently put it in your piece, operates uh, against us. Hostile activity from a foreign power on Canadian soil. Millions of Canadians uh, up in arms may cost Ottawa to do something even if they don't want to. The, the piece in the Globe and Mail, friends, is what is this government doing to protect Canada's sovereignty against China? The author, Charles Burton. I commend it to your reading. It's an outstanding piece. Charles, as always, thanks for your, a little bit of your time on a weekend. It's great to have you back. Great to speak with you. I hope we can keep talking about this as it develops.